Tonight on the Flophouse, we discuss Good Luck Chuck, the horrifying tale of women inexorably drawn to have sex with Dane Cook. Rich Duncan. Fuck you, Dan McCoy. Yeah, Rich is a little bitter <laughs> that I've enlisted him because he really didn't like Good Luck Chuck. But let's give a little introduction to this week's guest host, Rich, a, uh, a stand-up comedian of many years, a writer for uh, TV and radio, uh, former editor-in-chief for uh, Just Magazine, uh, New York City's only and best uh, humor magazine for a while there. Let's uh, stretch my credits out as much as we can. Sure. Well, I, we've got some time to fill. But um, I guess thank you. It's good to be here. I'm happy to be here. It's been uh, if I had to watch this wretched fucking abortion of a movie with anybody, uh, with you two guys, it's uh, actually there have been some laughs in that has been. Actually, it was awful. Fuck you. Right. You. Yeah, but there. Yeah, let's, uh, well, you don't want to spoil the well, podcast. Wait, I want to start out by saying... Oh, we uh, mean, like, a movie on the Flophouse? Well, maybe this one will be good. It's become fashionable among stand-up comedians to badmouth Dane Cook. Sure. Now, Rich, you are a stand-up comedian. Mm-hmm. Would you like to jump on that train? <laughs> well, uh, I kind of, I, I would, I would like to jump on that train a little bit at I don't think Dane Cook is uh, a, a good stand-up. Um, I think he's uh, an, an able stand-up. I'm not going to jump on the train and be one of those guys that says he's awful because he's successful. I admire the guy's success. I think he works hard. He's got a tremendous work ethic. The way he promoted himself is great. I think he found himself to be promoted beyond his skill set a little too soon. Uh, he does have a lot of energy. I see him running around on stage... Well, here's what bothers me about uh, this movie in particular. Should we get into... Do we want to talk about yeah, Dane let's Cook get, still? let's get or? right into the movie. Yeah, okay. dig in. Um, the thing that bothers me about Dane Cook in this movie is he is he is poor in it. All right? He's not... He's mm-hmm. not he does not do... You're a saying he's not good. He's not, wait, he's not good. His character doesn't have a lot of money? Is that... <laughs> <laughs> he, his character has a tremendous amount of money, which is never really explained, and we can get deeper into that. But uh, he does not do a, a great job in the movie comedically. However, the movie is also directed so poorly that on the several occasions when he does something where you go, hey, that might not be my cup of tea, but that was a good piece of physical comedy, the director then cuts away from it, which means that not only does he suck, but he can watch the movie and go, see, they ruined it, and he's right. Right. Well, I, you know, the, the movie does lay there lifeless on the screen. Uh, I looked up the director. Is that a direct quote from another review? <laughs> <laughs> that was um, Jonathan Rosenbaum of the Chicago Reader. <laughs> Lays there lifeless on the screen. Mm-hmm. But, um, no, I looked up the director. This is his first feature film. That's a big shocker. <laughs> you, don't, you don't say. Uh, before that, though, he was an editor of some note. His Probably his best credit that I saw was he edited Predator. He That's edited Predator. a well-edited film. Yeah. He edited a lot of not-good movies. Uh, that's a great intro. Striking distance. Okay. Can you Bruce imagine film? For, for a while? I think that's probably an intro to quite a few uh, movie circles and women. Just it's got a nice rhyme to it, much like Good Luck Chuck. Hi, 
the editor of Predator. Mm. That's, that's, I'm the Predator editor, I think, is yeah. probably. I'm Predator's editor. Oh, yeah. Man. Good uh, luck, people like things that rhyme. That's what we learned from Good Luck Chuck. It's also, I, I mean, I, I don't know if I want to talk about this immediately, but I think uh, I think this movie's kind of like the nail in the coffin of Hollywood's use of the name Chuck as a comedic name. Chuck or K-Sound in general? Specifically, it seems like Chuck K- K-Sound Chuck. oftentimes is very funny. Yeah, but Chuck in particular um, has become popular. I mean, for instance... I the, now pronounce you Chuck and Larry? Yeah. Mm, yeah. Uh, the NBC television show Chuck... <laughs> I didn't, I, that, that one didn't occur to me first. Yeah, yeah. no, you went to when we're talking about Chuck. Well, but that's the funny thing. Uh, I was going to say my wife was chatting with me on uh, the internet. Perhaps you've heard sure. of it. Mm-hmm. Sure. Um, and she was saying, "What movie are we going to watch for Flophouse?" And I said, "Well, I mean, we're going to watch Good Luck Chuck." And she's like, well, "Is that the one with Jessica Alba where she has a really hot body?" And I said, "Yes, but I think that actually, based on our last Flophouse, you're thinking of I now pronounce you Chuck and Larry with Jessica Beale, who we talked about having a uh, an attractive figure." Also has the name Jessica. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, similarities. Chuck is in the title of both films. I can see how she would make that confusion. Now, I also I'm, unfunny sex farces. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, I, I mean, I can't say that I haven't actually seen that movie. I've seen the trailer. Sure. I talked to Frank Lesser, who wasn't pleased with it. Yeah, pleased with the trailer of uh, no, the actual film. Yeah, uh, he actually saw. Uh, uh, I pronounce you Chuck and Larry. It's the written by that. It's, it's, apparently, it's written by uh, well, the original the guys who did Sideways screenplay. And Alex, I mean, I'm Alexander yeah. Payne and uh, Alexander Payne wrote the first draft of and I like pronounce you Chuck and Larry, which made which me kind of want to see it. I assume, though, since then, it was made into it was it was eighty percent Sandlerized. You know, <laughs> sure, they put it through the Sandler machine. Yep, the little Mickey out. machine. <laughs> Like, we need to get that guy from King of Queens in here somehow. And Hitch. Yeah. <laughs> oh, he was a delight in Hitch, dancing like a white man. Uh, so, um, yeah. So the but you were Chuck, talking about Chuck, the name Chuck. I don't think it's funny. No. I don't, I don't find anything humorous about it. It does rhyme with fuck. We were talking about the rhyming is before. His the book. bucket list. That's, that's true. <laughs> that sort of sounds like... The bucket, Chuck... Similar. The Chuck it list. Now, the thing is, is that... Humorous. Um, Howard the Chuck? I, I was at least hoping that this movie would like have at least one scene where somebody says, Good luck, Chuck! Because <laughs> uh, at least I could be like, Yay, they said the title. They never call him Chuck. It's Charlie every time. There's not he, His fucking uh, horndog buddy doesn't even call him Chuck at all. That is the opposite of good night and good luck. That's right. <laughs> if we could somehow have good night and good luck Chuck, that would right. be fantastic. Where every woman Edward R. Murrow sleeps with goes on to get married. <laughs> I also, um, I don't know if you realize this is a we piece We cannot of- defend freedom at home, <laughs> abroad, by defending it at home. SFX, fart noise. <laughs> by the way, that, 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 that Edward R. Murrow joke constitutes the, the entirety of my written material yes. <laughs> on this podcast. Speaking of stand-up, uh, yeah. Rich has whipped out his little notebook, his little stand-up's notebook. Mm-hmm. I, yeah, I have a, I also have written the words, I don't know how it's going to tie in, Uncle Buck. It's like a little time mm-hmm. bomb. Yeah. But, uh, well, Funny movie, Uncle Buck. I think that Good Luck Chuck is a sort of esoteric play on the idea of a good luck fuck. 
Which, um, uh, didn't even, you know what? That didn't even occur to As me. You're know, absolutely right. The uh, the premise of this movie. I went. I went Edward R. Murrow immediately. <laughs> the premise of this movie was literally uh, expressed at least nine times within the at film. Least. They would continually reiterate what the premise is, which is Dane Cook has sex with a woman, and then that woman goes on to immediately thereafter meet the love of her life, which and it, and get married. Right, which leads to a run on uh, Dane Cook's wang. Yeah. <laughs> Leads to a sex montage. Yeah. A but really explicit than, sex montage. But more than one. Like, they kind of... The message is delivered, and then he has sex with a bunch of women, and then it's delivered again, and there's another montage, and it's, uh... Well, all I know is that Jane Cook was having sex in a lot of different ways. He was having sex in, like, a sex swing. Mm-hmm. He was having sex with, like, the woman's legs, like, over her head, you know, like... In the shower. Yeah, a lot and, more and, positions than you normally would see in an R-rated comedy. And, and also... Lots of boobs. Yeah. I mean, a lot of times you'll get this... Like, even in Wedding Crashers, where they do have a little bit of a montage of topless women kind of hitting the sheets. Well, you know what? In the name of good taste, once you've gotten the idea, especially if it's a comedy, you, I mean, the, the, the movie opens with a tremendously gratuitous topless scene. Well, and we so we did watch the unrated DVD cut. I have no oh, idea what the theatrical cut of Good Luck Chuck was, but we did... I have to express that, but... Did the unrated cut, did it have artwork on the front of a, a woman wearing a bikini bottle, like, just naked from the back, showing, like, with her top <laughs> right. open? Or, or from Two the, extremes Or from the theaters. front, and the word unrated was yes. across her chest. <laughs> I was hoping, like, some kind of a cartoon animal wearing sunglasses and giving the thumbs up. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe an anteater. Yeah. <laughs> just a love tits. A penguin should have been a penguin. penguin. But I, what I would say about that is, like, if this was 1995... Sure. And someone was asking me, like, can you recommend Good Luck Chuck to me in any way? I would say, well, the one way I could recommend Good Luck Chuck to you is... It's Assuming an, that Good Luck Chuck was, was made, was made in, in 1995. I'd be like, one thing I could recommend to you, it's an unrepentant R-rated comedy. There's a lot of nudity in it, and it's definitely like an R-rated sex comedy. It's not a good one, but, you know, back in the 90s, all the comedies were like... David Spade is in a PG-13 film, you right. know. Whereas now, we have, like, Judd Apatow movies, or we have, you know, the you know Wedding Crashers, which is about, it's, you know, one half of a good comedy. You know, it's not great yeah, all the way through, but it's got some good stuff in it. And those are old-style, Animal House-style, R-rated comedies. So this is, to comedy, what, say, like, an Eli Roth horror movie would be to horror. Mm. Or a bad Eli Roth movie. Eli Roth has done some good horror movies, but right. when he goes over the top and it's just sort of splattery, right. it is extreme. And I feel like we came out of a horror era with the Scream and the Kevin Williamson and a lot of that. Where I would go further exploitation without exploitation. I'd say I feel more like, like a Saw movie. Yeah, like okay. Eli Roth. Right. At yeah. least, yeah. at least he's like an auteur. Like, yeah. like oh, I can. See Eli Roth is the guiding hand behind this film, rather than I'm coming off a, a bad uh, Hostel Two experience. Mm. Oh, okay. We'll, we'll talk about that after the podcast. <laughs> now, on the subject of comedies, like, I don't think I'm going to be surprising anybody to say that this is a shitty movie. Like, this is a <laughs> shitty comedy. That's a, point, that's a point I would like to bring up just briefly. Yeah, sure. Do we expect our audience to have seen Good Luck Chuck? I don't know. And if, sit through it and then enjoy If they the podcast, have, they or? certainly wouldn't, they wouldn't enjoy the podcast. If they went out willingly to see Good Luck Chuck... They probably wouldn't enjoy this 
podcast, which is really sort of shooting ourselves in the foot audience-wise. But maybe if they've enjoyed the podcast in the past, mm. they would say... They're going to be doing Good Luck Chuck, I want to watch Good Luck yeah, Chuck, maybe and they hear want what the fellas want yeah, to say. Yeah, maybe they want to watch it and then pretend like they're in the room with us and like get a couple laughs and be like, Oh, good zinger, Dan, you're sure. a funny guy. This shit is the silver lining. If you want to imagine what that might be like, by the way, uh, imagine... Three guys drinking heavily, and maybe Stuart exposes himself at some point during the evening. <laughs> if I'll remember to. Um, but, as I was saying, okay, Good Luck Chuck is a shitty comedy, okay? It's a shitty, bad movie. But the question is, um, even though it is so horribly inept, is it worse or better than that? this fucking like stream of shitty spoof comedies that come out once a year right after Christmas? <laughs> Like the, um, the your, your meat movie, Spartans, epic your movie. epic movie, your date movie. Exactly. Now uh, I'm just gonna. I actually have to. I have to claim ignorance. I exclusively am familiar with these movies through the trailers. I actually sure have not watched them. Well, before. I have to say, you know, date movie was on HBO. Okay. I love Alison Hannigan. Sure. I'm sure a Buffy is. fan. Nothing I I, I like uh, her new show, How I Met Your Mother. I like Allison Hannigan. I think oh, she's, she's going cute. further out on the thin ice, but I'm still with you. I think she's cute. She is. Um, and I was like, I would like to see Allison Hannigan in a starring role. She never gets to star in a movie, and that's probably why she accepted the role in date movie. She's like, you know what? A lot of not a lot of screenplays are coming my way where I get to play the lead. Sure, I'll be in date movie. I literally could make it through five minutes of the film, and I and I had to turn it off. It made me so upset. Did it make you upset because the movie sucked, or because you liked Allison Hannigan and you didn't want to see her humiliating herself? I think the second is a lesser concern. It was part of it, but it was just so terrible. Five minutes? Five minutes. This is a rapid gag movie, too, isn't it? I mean... It would like to be a rapid gag movie. Was it one of those... I didn't mo- see it. Was it's, it all, those- it's all fat suit and reference-based, though. Have you, I mean, have you ever, is it one of those movies that when you're watching it, you're like watching it by yourself... And you start looking around, trying to make sure no one else knows you're watching this movie. Like it's so bad, you're like, I'm not on the subway while watching well, this movie. Well, that's too. A, <laughs> that's the thing. Like, I'll be like, if I'm in a hotel room or at home, and I put on a movie that's that bad, like that abysmally bad, and it's often a comedy. Uh, like when I was watching Tomcats, for God's sake, <laughs> uh, I started looking around. and I start like hoping that there's no record that I'm watching this, so that like. Fucking years down the line, I'll be at a date and I'll be talking like you know, like trying to you know get in good with my date or with like her family. Maybe I meet her family for the first time. Maybe I'm in love with her like Chuck is with what's just, just Al's character. And nice um, nice like I, I, yeah, I know. and I really want to like sell the moment. And then like somebody's like, but I found out you watched Tomcats. <laughs> I bet you laughed at least once. Uh, like it's one of those movies that is so bad. You're like, I I can't believe. Well, I'm let's, doing let's get. I mean, let's get in more specifically to good with uh, Chuck. Tom and Cats, by the way, is a good example of a 1990s movie that you would think should be R-rated. You and would think have that a that's like like a like a 1980s language rom- and nudity, and there's there's nothing in it. No, no. So it doesn't even work on that USA up all night level. Yeah. Um, but the thing about this movie, for a podcast hosted by a couple of guys, we talk about women in movies frequently. We talk about you know like attractive women or whether like. Even, you know, like, oh, there's a nude scene in this movie, fellows. You might enjoy to see that. You know? Fast forward exactly 34 minutes in. However, like, this is the most offensive movie with regards to women. Like, the most upsetting, like, 
for me, that's the thing that kills the comedy of this movie the most. Is the idea, like the premise is, okay, Chuck has sex with these women, then they go on to find love. A bunch of women line up and they're like, you know what? I'm willing to prostitute myself to you, Chuck, one night, if that means that I'm going to go on to find true love. And get married. And get married. Of course, all that women care about is that they might get married. They, they say that at one point. Well, that's, that's the thing that's a huge problem with the movie, and it's not, it's not that I find it offensive to women. I mean, it is offensive to women, but it, it just doesn't... I mean, there's lots of... Believe me, I love a good exploitation movie. Sure, you know, I mean, uh, but it has to have the courage of its lack of conviction. Exactly, exactly. You know, and if and if it will go ahead and say, you know, I'm I'm going to be a, a Russ Meyer movie and fly that flag high, and this is going to be absolutely ridiculous, and you know, the, I'm not going to get too much into the plots of different Russ Meyer movies that <laughs> I enjoy and, and why, but uh, but this movie it, it it claims to be something that it's not, and it's it's that disingenuousness that offends me more than. Uh, Right, it makes a hard left turn, you know, about half the way into the movie, and starts trying to tug at your heartstrings. Well, well, and you're like, wait, do I have to? Am I to forget that this movie started out with a woman giving Chuck a blowjob on the beach, and there was a long topless scene, and And it's a bad blowjob, and you're supposed to sympathize and be like, "Hey, guys, we've all been there before, you know. You know when that hot girl's giving you a bad blowjob? Yeah." (laughs) <laughs> it's upsetting. Now, one of the things, uh, and this is actually a, a whole bunch of points rolled into one, but um, there are a couple things that I think we need to touch on. For one, is the uh, the central relationship between uh, you have Chuck on one side, who's like this fucking ultimate perfect dude. He's super nice. Uh, he has a fucking million dollars or whatever. In uh, the blowjob scene, breaks up with her because she says she loves him too early. Is that right? And he's, he's, he cares about love. He won't. He won't say that he loves somebody if he doesn't mean it. Right. And then his good buddy played uh, perfectly to a T <laughs> by fucking Dan Fogelberg is the like ultimate sleazy horn dog who at least uh, at least once on camera has sex with a grapefruit. More than once. More than once. <laughs> My mistake. Um, and once so while stimulating his own prostate with with, those, with, with the, like uh, a like potato a, scrubber. Yeah. I believe. yeah. Looked like it was his thumb, and they cleaned it up, I think, with a potato. So, first of all, so we have these two friends here, okay? So we have the horn dog friend, and we have our hero. Now, I first want to examine the hero, because the thing is, like, I don't know if the writers realize that a comedy, you don't want to have the perfect guy. The only reason this guy's relationships weren't working was because of fucking magic. <laughs> a fucking magic spell cast on him in the fucking first ten minutes of the movie when this fucking little girl tries to yeah. rape this little boy. Let's take a brief moment out to say that the movie starts out with a like a flashback scene to show that uh, they're playing spin the bottle like seven minutes in heaven sort of thing, and this goth girl. There are a lot of goth girls around in uh, the. By 80s. the way, brought to you by Mountain Dew. They made a very like, <laughs> a clear point of having it be a Mountain Dew bottle. That they were spinning, and I guarantee you, Mountain Dew was like, "Yes, this pseudo pedophilia." Yeah. Well, and yeah. the most like the most sexually voracious and uh, like aggressive thirteen-year-old girl in history, basically thirteen charitable tries yeah. to rape um, Chuck, and then when he's not interested in it, um, she puts a curse on him, and we're to believe that that's why he has all these problems in the future. Now, when I was thirteen, I almost got raped by thirteen-year-old girls a lot. Now, that's sure. pretty common, but you know what? 
They never were able to cast magical spells on me, dude. Well, they weren't so, goth. The, oh, oh, fuck, right. Or Wiccans. Wiccans also have that power. See, I was uh, I was more selective in the crowd I hung out with. And she was wearing a pentagram necklace that oh, later in the spooky. movie, when he tracked her down 25 years later, the daughter was wearing the exact same necklace, which is how they were able to... Uh, Weirdly uh, enough, that and that daughter also seemed to have a desire to see Dane Cook's penis. Huh. Um, so I think part of it is like this weird, like, it's like a cursed necklace almost. <laughs> cursed jewel. I would like to see the story there's, of that there's necklace. There's a fantastic <laughs> horror movie going on somewhere in there. Hey, what's what's the story of that necklace, huh? But you were saying that you expect, like, the hero in a comedy, I think, to be a little more flawed. Yeah, like, well, that's what makes it funny. Flaw, other mm-hmm. than to be really, like, gesture heavy and have uh-huh. a bad complexion. <laughs> So well, not be Dane Cook is what you're saying. <laughs> yeah. But if you take uh, There's Something About Mary, for example, which right. I think is the model that all these kind of comedies are based on, you got a guy that is genuinely awkward with women and, right. you know... Like and the, basically uh, like a bit of a stalker. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I feel like... You know, the thing is I try to analyze this movie and I just get so <laughs> fucking angry. <laughs> Your voice modulates a lot when you get mad. Like you get like really worked up over here. Well, but on the on the, on the other hand, we got his friend. It's like they took Booger and they took everything un like they like ramped up everything unappealing about him. Like Booger was like a horny best friend with like character. Yeah, with, with a little bit of honor. Yeah. Well, also they left it to the best friend over and over and over again to present the premise of the movie, yeah. which was this is the truth of the movie. Yet they tried to get laughs from the fact that this guy was such a scumbag. Oh yeah. So therefore, if the guy is such a scumbag, that would mean that other he says things that routinely are not true, which is why they're funny. And also, you can tell uh, they're not that, true. They're evil. They're wrong. That's why we laugh. Sure. You can tell that he's a he scumbag. Then he presents the honest premise of the magical film. Yeah. You're off on the wrong foot. I guess what I'm saying is, Good Luck Chuck is a flawed film. <laughs> huh. You can, you, you can tell that he's a scumbag, by the way, because he is a cosmetic surgeon who specializes in giving a boob job. Right, that's not I enough. Guess, I guess gynecologist wasn't uh, available for his movie job, so they had to go with boob job. But. Or introducing him as an adult for the first time, and having a candle spill all over Dane Cook's crotch, and his <laughs> first reaction is... It looks like cum! It looks like cum! I'm actually going right. to have to jump right in here, Rich. Yeah, go ahead. I actually, uh, that was, I think, one of two times that I actually genuinely laughed during this movie. I'm not saying that that's tremendously unfunny. Okay. What, 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 I'm, what I'm saying is, if that is not enough evidence that this guy is a certain level of juvenile, okay, right. you have to also back that up and be like, oh, and what, well, what do you do for a living? I make boobies. That, yeah, <laughs> Well, also, that's uh, actually a pretty good impression of him. <laughs> yeah. We're introduced to the guy um, the first time, by the way, in that original flashback scene, because, as you know um, from your own lives, clearly, Rich, you know the people that you were friends with when you were thirteen, you're still best friends with now. That's yeah. just the way it works. Yeah, that's the way it works in life. Um, Even if that person is completely sleazy, and you're the ultimate nice guy, <laughs> and they work right across the hall from each other too. Yeah. yeah. The better for hijinks. They probably went to college together too. Maybe they're roommates right out of college. That's just the way life. That's the way life goes with best friends. The only way that this their relationship would work in this movie would be if this was the movie version 
of a sitcom that had been going on for 25 years where the <laughs> characters miraculously go to college together and you just go, all right, look, it's the show. Well, I would buy the whole thing if at the end of the movie the big reveal was that they were in love with each other. That they'd just been, kind you know, like they've movie. been suppressing their love the whole time. It's definitely kind of a gay movie. There's a lot of... Um... Uh, well, and, and don't get us wrong. If it was a gay movie, it would probably be a much better movie. Mm-hmm. I mean, you do get to see uh, Dane Cook's nicely shaven chest a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, once again, perfect guy. His buddy seems really interested in watching a sex tape uh, featuring him. He marries a woman that uh, his best friend boned yeah. in order to like take advantage of this thing. Who, by the way, has, yeah, has three tits. So therefore, it, he loves the tits so much. Right. Yeah, there's that moment. The horn dog friend marries the stripper from Total Recall, basically. And you know what? I think Lucky that moment bastard. when he suggests that he could give Dane Cook's character tits, the, the Charlie character, I think that's the most honest he's being, because in many ways he wishes he could give him breasts. Yeah. Because <laughs> he'd be combining his two favorite things, his friend Charlie and breasts. You know, to, to continue uh, listing the way that this movie is... Has an offensive view of sex and, yeah, in particular, women. Main character sure. is um, nice. There's the there's the scene where Dane Cook's sassy black secretary, who, by the way, is a an overweight woman, mm-hmm. uh, comes to Dane Cook and begs him to have sex with her so she can meet uh, the man of her dreams. And uh, Dane Cook, because he's a nice guy, goes through with it. Because, you know, guys, fat people need charity fucks. That's basically the uh, the message of good luck, Chuck. The thing is that every once in a while, not always, but every once in a while, really fat people actually, like, they're actually beautiful on the inside. Mm. Rarely, as <laughs> also in later on in this movie, we discover that this horribly fat woman also is kind of mean and a really bad eater. And flatulent. Flatulent, yep. <laughs> Uh, has very few manners. Yeah, I mean, that woman didn't deserve the charity fuck because she, mm. despite her outer horribleness, there's no inner goodness. <sighs> Just goes to show you never know what's inside. Exactly. It takes a charity fuck to determine usually. <laughs> but, so the term good luck fuck exists? I don't know. Because it sounds right, doesn't it? Uh, I mean, sure. is it possible I think like that's before what, you get married? We're to subliminally Because uh, you said that and it seemed to ring true to me. I mean, if you recall the the uh, advertisement for this movie, it was a lot of like Jessica Alba eating ice cream cones. You know, we haven't talked like, about Corey. Jessica Alba at all. Though. No, I, I wanted to get into that. Speaking of people who are <laughs> I want beautiful, to get into that. <laughs> speaking of characters who are beautiful on the outside and the inside, uh, Jessica Alba's character. By the way, my joke there that was probably about as good as Dan Fogelberg's joke <laughs> in the entire movie. <laughs> <laughs> so Jessica Alba, uh, yeah, you know she hadn't, she hasn't been in a lot of comedies, right? Uh-huh. What was that that deep sea diving movie? I'm gonna movie say she Paul hasn't Walker? been in any. Yeah. Uh, oh shoot, it was. Um, that wasn't a comedy though, right? Into the Blue. That wasn't I was a comedy, say Blue right? Blue Crush. She wasn't in that. Right? Blue Crush was the Kate Bosworth surfing film about a bunch of surfing girls. <laughs> <laughs> so not the movie we were talking about. Yeah. The movie I'm talking about, I was just making sure it wasn't that a comedy. Up? Yeah. Uh, it's a better movie. I've seen it. It's better. You're right, and it sucks. <laughs> now, Jessica Alba, um, she's clumsy. That's one thing I learned from this movie. Her character's clumsy. Yeah, I mean, but she's not clumsy. 
It's a bad acting job. Like, she well, has several spectacular stage pratfall moments. I gotta say. Yet remains graceful throughout the movie. I don't think Jessica Alba's funny in this movie. I still think she's funnier than Dane Cook. And I'll tell you one thing. We watched uh, Mr. Brooks. This is this yeah. is the second time that a actor has reoccurred on the Flophouse. Dane Cook was in Mr. Brooks. I'll go ahead and say Dane Cook was better as a dramatic actor than as a comic actor in this film. And he's a professional comedian. So, uh, Jessica well, Alba... You know, a lot of times, professional stand-up comedians don't translate well in acting. No, it's there's, fair there's enough. A, there's a, tr- you know, it's a certain There's a lot of set. terrible Richard Pryor movies, and, uh, you know... Uh, I'm, you know, I'm not saying that Dane Cook is uh, not a fucking awful comedian, but uh, it's, you know. But I, I do, I actually totally agree with you, Dan. Yeah. Uh, and Jessica Alba, not funny, really at all. Uh, but yeah, like she, she, she tries, I guess, kinda. She, she makes you smile. She's game. Yeah, she's she, game. Yeah. Uh, and she'll fall. She'll let. She'll, she'll, you know, trip over a penguin or two. Which, yeah, by the way, well, let's well, let's mention that her job. After you know, following on the heels of Next, where Jessica Biel played a woman who taught Native American children at the bottom of the Grand Canyon. Wait, Jessica, that really happened? Yes, yeah, yeah. yes. He that made was that her show up during the movie. No, that was her job. I was referencing in the movie <laughs> Next. That was literally her Shit. job in the movie. We have another what bullshit did, movie job. What did she where, teach them? I don't know about uh, life. How to smile at animals? <laughs> but Jessica Alba in this movie is a. Um, you know, a, a penguin technician at the zoo. I don't know if technician is really the, the word, but... Is this podcast so professional I can't ask Stu to get me a beer? No, it's it's exactly that unprofessional. All right. But come on, I mean, like, that is a, that is a, that is a screenwriter's, um, you know, invention. Like, oh, we've got a lovable, uh, you know, our female love interest has to have something cute that she does. Right. She works with penguins at the zoo. But also on the heels of March of the Penguins and a million penguin movies, what's hot and marketable right now? Dane Cook, Jessica Alba, and penguins. How can we go wrong? Uh, It's like the scene in Back to School where, like, which, by the way, is a hilarious movie. Yeah, no, it's It's a hilarious movie. The one scene in it that doesn't work, and it makes no sense, it's a scene where uh, Rodney Dangerfield has to do a science project, and it's Rodney in, in a science classroom wearing a lab coat with three chimps. <laughs> and it's clearly not written. And the writers clearly were like, we're just going to put Rodney Dangerfield in a room with three chimps. <laughs> How can this go wrong? Magic. And I'm 100% behind them. I feel like that's it's inexplicable. going to strike. It's the great comic <laughs> miracle that that did not work. And I feel like this is the opposite of that, where they just they said, this, what, what is going to be foolproof? Dane Cook, Jessica Alba, fuck it, penguins. Yeah, I, mean, I also want to point out that this came on the heels of uh, Bob Saget's hit, Farce of the Penguins. That's what I'm saying. Again, March of the Penguins. <laughs> you put a penguin in a movie, some idiot was going to give you some money. And there are those It's a first-time mo- director. Yeah, there's those two moments. I mean, um, I mean, I think the penguins do get a few more laughs than our, our leads. I mean, there is the bit where uh, Roger Ebert brings up the, the point uh, where the penguin actually bites Dane Cook's character on the crotch. Mm. I would say directly on the penis. Uh, directly on his penis. Um, and then Perhaps thinking that it's a herring. Yeah. <laughs> a herring? <laughs> yeah. Oh, no, a herring. Oh, that makes yeah. more sense. The uh, The other bit is when uh, the one penguin shits uh, on the ice and then turns around and eats it. 
Real penguin, real shit, turns around and eats it. Which I think they, yeah, I think you brought up, Rich, that they were just filming and they're like, holy shit, we need to find a place in the movie. Like, this mm. comedy gold. Well, there's the Conan shit-eating duck. You can see the shit-eating duck on Conan. Yeah. Which that, became, was, that briefly became a national phenomenon. Right, and you know, I think... <laughs> but it's indicative of the whole movie and why the whole movie didn't work. Whereas, in the Conan bit, in front of a live audience, they brought the duck out for a certain purpose. Right. And the duck ate its own shit, and everybody freaked out, and then he came back and said, shit-eating duck, and... Alright, that it was a legitimate mistake. If you have a show with a live studio <laughs> audience, and something like that happens, and it's awkward enough for that to happen... Mm. You, you can kind of bring that back and it can be but like if you're shooting a movie with penguins and you're just doing nothing but shooting penguins all along maybe a penguin's gonna eat his own shit wait Rich I don't understand are you saying that Good Luck Chuck was not filmed in front of a live audience <laughs> because you're shattering the illusion well I'm trying to tell, help those amateur filmmakers out there determine between which when to keep the shit in and when to which, keep it in which you know when, when a bird eats its own shit when is it humorous and when is it not right Let's start wrapping this up. Let's talk about how the movie itself wraps up. Let's get into the end. I want to. I want to briefly before that give Rich kudos. Ten minutes into the movie, uh, there is a Asian man singing karaoke. He's singing along to "I Touch Myself," mm-hmm. and Rich said, "All right, I bet twenty minutes. Twenty minutes more, we're gonna have a foul mouth granny character. Foul mouth old lady. Yeah, it's like the ultimate." Crutch, yeah. And uh, sure enough, 30 minutes into the film... 33, exactly. Uh, Did I tag it that close? I was that close? Yeah, you were, you I just, were that I, close. I saw a number of cliches that were so easy that I was like, if they don't do Foul Mouth Old Lady, I'll be stunned. And on that note, I said that they were going to end this movie with the running down the concourse in the airport to stop Jessica Alba flying away somewhere. And in fact, that is how the movie ends. Perfectly. It's a ladies, perfect ending. Ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> I, bet, I, think, I guess this movie came out last year. In 2007, we're still using the stop the girl at the airport. Has that ever worked? Like in real life? Or? No, no. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> I understand now why this is a trope in film. The two film films. In real life, I wish... <laughs> I've been trying. Oh, man. <laughs> so many women have yes, flown right. away to escape me. I mean, I remember it being not very funny in the in the TV show Friends. Mm. I feel like I've seen it not be not very funny. Well, it's not a number funny of thing to have happen. No, no it's like, supposed to be the heartwarming, like, like like somebody like slipping and falling on their crotch. Right, that that'd funny. be funny, right? I suppose. I mean, there's Unless a lot we're of... watching the film, the movie Airplane. Yeah, I mean, there. That's, I, that's I, 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 I didn't mean to use the word funny, but it, to have it work. In a, oh, right. Even in a cinematic way, I mean. For as crappy as the movie Titanic is, say, it works, and one can't deny that the movie works. Right. Is there a moment where the catch the girl at the airport thing works? Um, I think if it's in a movie that's not Good Luck Chuck, it could work. <laughs> yeah, but still, I can't think of... How about a uh, penguin biting a man in the penis? Uh, that works... I don't know. How many things that happened in the movie Good Luck Chuck... Well, would that's be funny ho- if they happen in other movies. That's sort of a trick question because I feel like um, this movie was sort of a catalog of bad choices. Like, I think almost every single thing that happened in the movie Good Luck Chuck, if it happened in another movie, say even direct, say one of Mel Brooks' worst movies, mm. I'd say a number of gags, if they would have happened in this movie, if they happened in say Robin Hood Men in Tights, they may have had a greater chance of success. <laughs> I like that you went to Robin Hood Men in Tights. Yeah, like that's the Mel Brooks. 
I mean, I if you say Blazing saying. Saddles, it's not fair. Right. There's a found off old lady in Blazing right. Saddles. But I guess great. you're saying, like, okay, Robin Hood Men in Tights is about as low as you're going to go on the Mel Brooks chain while still getting a few laughs. Like, you can't go to, like, like Dracula Dead and Loving It. You're like, oh, <laughs> oh thank you, sir. <laughs> What's the homeless one? What's the homeless Life one? Life stinks. Oh, that is. Okay. Now, the thing is, uh, I, I want to touch on briefly the subject of... McCoy's trying to wrap this show up. I no, it's fine. I, I, I just want to touch on something because I think it's really important. At least it's important to me and it's important to one of our uh, our ex-co-hosts, Mr. Simon Fisher. And that's... Um, it's on the subject of shitty sex comedies. One of the things that drew me to this movie, if you could if you could say such a thing, I guess it's like being drawn to like a corpse or something. <laughs> uh, what killed that corpse? Um, it's, uh, this movie reminded me of another movie from a number of years back, a movie called 40 Days and 40 Nights, right. which is arguably my least favorite movie ever made. Well, the, that's the movie where Josh Hartnett's character yeah. decides to give up sex for Lent. He gives up right. a mortal sin for, for Lent. And by the way, the movie in which he gets raped by a woman at the end of the movie and gets blamed for it by Shannon Sossaman's uh, character... And no one. Uh, Lent, uh, I'm not a Catholic, but Lent is a month, right? Uh, Lent is a season on the. Um, so it is, 40, it is forty days long. Yeah, yeah. And uh, and he he chooses to do this because he's just having so much sex that uh, he just can't take it anymore. Like he's just he's having too much sex, and it's not meaningful enough. And it's just like I don't know what it is, but it's another perfect example of a movie where you're like. This hero is just too awesome. <laughs> like I can't relate to the awesome uh, woodsman uh, that is Josh Hartnett. Right. If you start out with a problem that most people would like to have, yes, the movie <laughs> the movie already has a strike against it. You're just you're already angry at the protagonist. I mean, it would be one thing if they genuinely were like, if they took that in mind. They're like, oh shit. Um, it would kind of suck if a bunch of women found out that uh, I'm a good luck magical penis that will make them find like the person they want to marry it'd be one thing if it was like okay uh this is this is really awesome and then slowly coming to realize that like oh there's so much there's such a thing as too much of a good thing you know what i mean guys and now i have magic aids yeah (laughs) i have serious rug burn on my dog Uh, so, yeah, I mean, I, I mainly need to bring up 40 Days I just, I just found my G-chat handle, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I mainly just, I made that, that segue simply because, um, I want everyone to know that I hate 40 Days and 40 Nights. No, fair enough. And that if you, see it, in, if you see it in a video store, you should rent it and then throw it away. <laughs> You should destroy it. <laughs> the, the, the fine that you incur from the video store is nothing compared to the karmic payoff that <laughs> the universe has given to you. I, it, I know I'm saying that like this is going to come and bite me in the ass, but if you do that and you get fined, I will find a way to get you that money. <laughs> I I have similar feelings with a movie, Nothing But Trouble, <laughs> but that's, which, which I feel yeah. like is a movie where they Dan Aykroyd was like... I wonder what would happen if I made uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre as a comedy, except it's just as disturbing as Texas Chainsaw Massacre. <laughs> so don't, don't watch that. He, yeah, the prosthetics he wears are possibly the grossest things I've ever seen in that movie. 
So. And, and Digital Underground does a live performance. <laughs> well, honestly, way, I just like to bring that's up the that best thing in the movie. Maybe one of the shittiest movies I've ever seen, and I'm not kidding. And I've seen some shitty movies. This movie fucking sucked. Well, this movie that... was bad. And you guys have just segued into like four other shitty movies. <laughs> now, is this because like there isn't enough shitty stuff to talk about in this movie, or is this oh, no, this I... movie is just? I, shitty. I think it's because we would rather boring. be talking about something else. And frankly, you're just tired of talking about it because sure. it sucks. I can, that much? I can actually talk about how, how about the how about fucking Dane Cook in an extended cunnilingua scene on a stuffed penguin. Uh, sure. As the credit wrap up. Yeah. That guy, me, like, you don't even go Smokey and the Bandit bloopers. The movie ends with yes, Dane Cook giving a cunnilingus to a stuffed penguin, and also I believe rimming the penguin too. He turns it over. Mm-hmm. Uh, while Jessica Alba, uh, I guess, is filming it and getting turned on because she loves penguins so much. So think about that, podcast listeners. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> that's a nice, that's a nice final note you just dropped in there. Think about that one, and this is Dan for all things put, considered. Put, put that in your brain, and maybe if you have a penguin fetish too, you can listen to this podcast and masturbate. I don't know, or watch the movie, <laughs> or don't. <laughs> Better yet, throw it away. Rent it and also throw good luck check away. I, you know, normally at this point we go through our final judgments where we talk about whether um, we would recommend this movie as a good movie to watch and laugh at, not recommend this movie at all to anyone, or say that we secretly kind of liked this movie. But I think that we're all on the same page as really just hating this movie. So I don't even know whether we need to go through that final judgment in agreement that... I think it's an extraordinary train wreck. Yeah. But we were talking about this. I mean, a bad horror movie or a bad action film or a bad drama, the beauty of that is the fact that it's bad makes it funny. Most of the time. Um, Sometimes it just makes it boring, but it can often make it funny. Whereas a bad comedy, the way it fails is it makes you bored or it makes you uncomfortable or like it's just unpleasant like there's nothing more unpleasant than someone trying to get laughs and not I mean certainly you as a stand up uh, I don't know I've never really experienced that yeah I realized in the, in the middle of that that my implication was that um, no you're absolutely you bombed right. all the time no, you're absolutely, no comedian goes through anything without having uh, bad nights terrible nights and I, and I mean, I brought it up earlier in the podcast, but it's true. I think that the the real tragedy and what makes this movie kind of specially bad is there are moments where you can see Dane Cook, even whether you're a fan of what Dane Cook does or not, there are brief moments where you can see Dane Cook beginning to do whatever it is that Dane Cook does that's appealing. No, agreed. I you mean, know, I don't and think like, take Carl Reiner there. and Steve Martin and the jerk. All right, there, Carl Reiner knew what was funny about Steve Martin and put the camera on him and allowed him to do that funny Steve Martin thing. That's what that movie is. That's why it's great. Whatever it is that Dane Cook does, whether you like it or not, the, the director of this movie put the camera on Dane Cook and then cut away from whatever it... So, like, I was, didn't even allow me the judgment of seeing him do the thing that he may or may not do well and then right. say, fuck you, you suck. Which means it sucked and it sucked. It sucked and it sucked. We yeah, put it was that terrible. On the fucking, we'll put that on the DVD box. <laughs> it sucked, and also, in addition to, it sucked. 
Yeah, it was really, really bad. I mean, I I went into this knowing it was going to be bad. I mean, like, who didn't? I mean, one of the things I, I actually... Uh, Sounds like a green beret going into <laughs> Vietnam in 69. I knew it was going to be bad. Uh, but I just I didn't expect it to be this bad. One of the things that I was fascinated about this movie by was when they started the ad campaign... And initially, the all the trailers focused on like the sex part, like oh, Dane Cook can't get enough pussy, <laughs> uh, and I, that was really off-putting. And everyone was like, "What the fuck?" <laughs> so I think the I think you know the the geniuses behind behind this film were like, "Oh, wait a minute, people don't don't seem that interested." And uh, they they completely switched gears and tried to focus on Jessica Alba. They're like Jessica Alba, Jessica Alba. She's Isn't really, she funny? Isn't she game? Yeah, she's, well, Jessica Alba keeps tripping over things. She's so clumsy. Isn't that cute? You probably want to see her in an entire movie, right? Only ten dollars. So I thought that was really interesting that they like that they so obviously switch gears in their marketing attempts. Uh, and you know what? Uh, neither of them really managed to capture the. <laughs> Enormity of how shitty this movie is, <laughs> and frankly, of the two of them, Dane—I mentioned this multiple times during the movie—Dane Cook walks and runs really weirdly, and I don't think that's an affectation. I think he's significantly more clumsy than Jessica Alba. I think point. he runs kind of retardedly. I think I don't. He was the kind of guy who looked good, like a jock, like he looked like he was like a good-looking like, guy, like a Jerry O'Connell type, sure. But then was not athletic. As a child, okay, and then developed this comedic thing where he would run funny, and people would say, "You can't run. You're not." A, and he'd say, "No, no, I'm running funny." Oh, okay. And it's so kind it's of like fucked a, up like his a acting a little bit, a little bit. And like all comedians, I think have a little. You're making me feel a lot of sympathy for Dan Cook now. Anybody who tries to get laughs for a living has had some fucking problems. And I, I'm just <laughs> hypothesizing. Uh, They're trying to make. I mean, <laughs> you know. So we've we've spent a lot of time talking about how bad this movie is. We've all agreed it's bad. Yeah. Let's let's move forward, Dan. Let's move. Let's leave Shitty Town far in the far behind us. It's in the it's receding in the rearview mirror. <laughs> let's go to let's go to Good Town. Yeah. Hello, Good Town. Population hey. us and 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 good movies. What are some movies? Yeah, this is the part of the show where we talk about some movies that we saw recently that we actually legitimately enjoyed. So, um, I haven't gone first in a while. I'll go. Yeah, go. I actually borrowed from Stewart A Silent Night, Deadly Night, which is a movie... That's the good one? I... I love it, too, but I'm just... Look, I... I might have done my homework wrong. Well, we're not... <laughs> we're not <laughs> recommending Citizen Kane here. Okay, alright. We're recommending movies that we legitimately like for some reason that we saw recently. And better... And if they are movies that are underrated or little seen, all the better. Okay. Because why do you have to uh, recommend a movie that everyone's going to see? No, anyway? no, sure. No, you're absolutely right. And Silent Deadline is cool. I'm just, um, I'm surprised. But go ahead. Sorry, I apologize. I've heard a lot about it, but never had a chance to see. It was not, it had not been released on DVD for a long time, I believe. You could get, like, old VHS copies, but that was it. As far as I was able to ascertain uh, via the internet, it barely got released the first time around because all these parents were incensed that there was a movie where Santa Claus was going around axe-murdering people, and so... It, and, and raping, I believe. Well, yes, the evil well, Santa is a different Santa. Santa. There are yeah. two Santas. Yeah. And he just rips his shirt he, open. He doesn't necessarily... We don't know for sure that she was raped. The, the mother in the beginning? Yeah, well, you don't no, actually yeah it's really strange. It's, it's very strange. There's not actually like a rape scene. It's been a while scene. since I've seen it. I just, it's just like, well, I guess I'm going to rip your shirt open and then slit your throat. Oh, you're but right. If but that's I haven't rape, seen this in a long if time. If that's rape, dude, 
call the cops. Because <laughs> 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 Stuart does that every Thursday. No, but I. It's well, just. That, it's just a really sleazy movie. That's what that would be. It's a really sleazy movie, but as yeah. we we're talking about before, it's a movie that has the courage of the convictions and just goes all the fucking way and being sleazy. It's like, you know what? You we're going to make a movie where uh, an evil Santa Claus uh, kills this kid's parents, and then that kid grows up to be a Santa Claus axe murderer. And I, uh, I had a good time watching it. So, if you're into that kind of thing... And you're probably not. <laughs> Why not watch Silent Night, Deadly Night? I had a good time letting you borrow it. Thanks. <laughs> I've, I've seen that. That was one of the movies, I, as a kid obsessed with exploitation slasher movies in the video store. Sure. Uh, I was very much into that movie. And uh, you're absolutely right. It's, it's a B-movie through and through, an exploitation movie through and through, and it is what it is, and uh, it doesn't make apologies. Uh, speaking of which, that might lead to my good movie. It's yeah, also dude. a horror movie. I don't know if this is a good way to do this, but... Sure. Uh, Movie I saw recently that I, I very much enjoyed, um, and I was I was skeptical um, because it's a Japanese horror movie. Right. And a lot of Japanese horror movies, I feel like it's like it's just a one syllable movie with like a terrifying wet eight year old Japanese girl. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like there's nothing. It's like I don't know how spooky eight year old Japanese girls are to the general population. If you get them wet, are they scarier? <laughs> if the yeah. movie only has one syllable, I guess that's horrifying. I don't know. But like, right. I, I feel like I've been duped a number of times. You know, I think anything comes over from overseas, if it maintains the buzz, people are going to want to play it up and say it's great. So whenever people say, oh, here's a great Japanese horror movie, I'm, I'm skeptical. And uh, this is a movie that I added to my Netflix queue. Uh, it's three different movies... Uh, it's called Three Extremes. Oh, if you guys have heard about this. I really liked it, yeah. Okay, and it's, uh, it, to be honest with you, I didn't even see the third extreme. Because it was on, uh, it's, it's three directors. I oh, wrote so down you, their you names. missed it's, the uh, Takeshi Miike part. Yeah, the Takeshi Miike. I, I'm not a big fan of Takeshi Miike. He's one of those guys that I feel like, uh, give me some titles. He's uh, really awesome. Uh, audition? Oh, he's Audition? He yeah, Audition. audition. I love Audition. Audition's my favorite okay. one. He also uh, did uh, Ichi the the Killer... Each of the killer I was um, wild about. Gozu. Gozu's. Uh, Happiness of the Katakuris. That was really good. Yeah, I, that was another one that I thought well, I, was, I was came in with very high expectations and was disappointed. Right. I didn't know he was audition. Audition is phenomenal. But regardless of uh, of uh, Nikkei, these three guys uh, do these three movies, and I had put it on my Netflix. It was rated very very high based on a bunch of the other B movies that I had liked. So it, it's not three extremes in particular, but it's. Uh, the first short called Dumplings <laughs> absolutely blew me away. And I won't give away the premise of what it is, but the movie is called Three Extremes, and you say, okay, how extreme is it going to be? <laughs> Let me tell you, this is extreme. It's deeply unpleasant. It's deeply unpleasant from, from a story perspective, from a film perspective, from a sound design perspective. It is gross and disturbing and bold. You know, I mean, if you're going to go for Silent Deadly Night, if you're going to go for some of these other uh, extreme movies, I feel like there's lots of extreme things that will say they're extreme and it'll be just crazy gore, which, right. you know, is one thing or another. Uh, but I feel like there was a, uh, a Twilight Zone-esque story behind it that was more extreme than you would find, and it really impressed me. I really enjoyed that. Yeah, good stuff. Three extremes. Dumplings. Fruit Chan. Uh, okay. So, um... I've seen a bunch of good movies lately, but I don't think a single one that I've seen it has been underrated in any way. 
They've all got a lot of critical acclaim. Mm-hmm. Uh, I saw like Three Teddy Yuma, that was great. I saw King of Very good. And I saw King of Kong, which was excellent. Heard it's uh, good. But what I, I think it'd be better to recommend something people might not have sure. seen. And for some reason, this Good Luck Chuck episode, seem, we seem to focus on uh, things that are maybe a little extreme, maybe a little exploitative. So what I would like to recommend is uh, this, once again, in honor of uh, the person who showed it to me the first time, uh, Simon Fisher, ex-co-host. And it's, uh, it's a movie called uh, The Story of Ricky, Ricky <laughs> O, uh, which is a, uh, I think it's a Hong Kong uh, action movie, and it's hands down the goriest movie I've ever seen. And it's, uh, it's have just... Have you seen Dead Alive? I have. It's wow. more than Dead Alive. It's, it's an insane movie. If you want to see a movie that you're just constantly baffled by how awesome and insane it is and how gory and violent it is, Rich is writing this down. By the way, I just want to point this out. Yeah, and frankly, if if you like if you like insane gore, like somebody punching somebody's head off, sort of thing, uh, I recommend watching I this. Yeah, I, I highly recommend watching the story of Ricky Ricky O. Uh, it's yeah, it's amazing. Well, I think that what we've learned tonight is the that the kind of guys who host a movie podcast are also the kind of uh, movie dorks who like. Exploitation, horror, and um, extreme Asian cinema. Mm-hmm. So I don't know that that's true. <laughs> I think one of those is a fucking Dane Cook, and this fucking piece of shit got us so like got us seeing fucking red. Like we right. all we want to see is things get torn apart. <laughs> <laughs> Another point about this movie and why how bad it was. We continually said, you know what would make this movie better if this extreme horrible thing happened. I believe I said. If we actually saw him with his pants off fucking a grapefruit, that might be better than this. Right. Mm-hmm. Then we saw it, and I was proved wrong. <laughs> well, you're you're a big man to admit it. You were into the grapefruit thing, dude. <laughs> no, I'm not. No, I'm it, it was it was big of you to admit I'm that just you admiring. thought it was, yeah that you thought it was going to be better, and it turned out that it yeah. wasn't better. To all 85 of our listeners, you're saying <laughs> that your comedy judgment was wrong in that case, and I, I'm impressed. It's a little bit of a I don't know if it was comedy judgment. I don't know that I was looking for comedy. I was looking for entertainment value. Oh, right. Yeah. That guy fucking a great proof. Not that entertaining. Get in the right hands. <laughs> if Hitchcock was doing Well, on that note, the funeral march of a marionette, marionette echoing in our ears. <laughs> And then the woman cooked the grapefruit for the cops. <laughs> and they never knew where the murder weapon Thank was. Thank you, Raw Doll. <laughs> <laughs> well, for the flop house, I've been Dan McCoy. Uh, I've been Stuart Wellington. I'm very happy to have been guesting with you guys. It's been a lot of fun. I'm Rich Duncan. Good night. Bye. <laughs> well, that was a delight. Podcast mood lighting. Settle in for some nice podcasting. Yeah. <laughs> Are we on? Is this how it starts? No. It's we sort of ease into it. Okay. No, you take it slow. It's yeah. Like, you, you gotta. You gotta spit on it. <laughs> That's what I would say if I was the uh, if I was the uh, you know the sex crazed buddy. <laughs>